welcome to the Daily Reprieve, where we provide essays, speaker meetings, workshops, and conferences in podcast format. We are an ad-free podcast. If you enjoy listening, please help us be self-supporting by going to donate.thedailyreprieve.com and drop a dollar or two into the virtual basket. Please consider donating monthly by clicking the Donate Monthly button. However, one-time donations are always welcome. Just click the Donate Now button. Now, without further ado, this episode of The Daily Reprieve. Thank you. Jim C., a struggling, very struggling, but gratefully recovering sexaholic. I am a sexaholic. I do need to be here forever. Um, I've been asked to speak at different times in the past, and uh, I started these things, these little times of speaking, with great ideas and uh, firm commitment to stay within five minutes or ten minutes or whatever, and then I get carried away uh, expounding on how I feel about the program, and then they come and drag me away from the podium or whatever, and I never have reached my conclusion, and people think, well, you had a great story, too bad I didn't hear it all. So I've, I've done two things a little differently this morning. I've actually written something out. I'm going to try to stick to it. And there's pluses and minuses. If I stick to it, it'll be reasonably coherent, but that means I'll have to stop every now and then and look at the little screen. So bear with me. And the second thing I've done is I'm going to give you the conclusion first. So if I run over 15 minutes, you know, you'll heard the bottom line. Okay? Um, that's why I say it. Since I tend to get carried away talking about the program, you're going to get the conclusion first. And so the conclusion is that the program has done wonderful things for me, and I'm on a kind of a roll with it. It is a fabulous, fabulous program, okay? And a central part of the pro- of this program is the 12th step, okay? Having had a spiritual awakening, which which has occurred, it has in fact occurred, as I understand it, okay? Um, uh, and as a result, and we have tried to carry this message... Okay, I, you know, I was on a I was on a panel um, in our Unity conference in October, and I'm right in the middle, and the battery died; it all went out. <laughs> it was a real experience, but I've charged this guy last night, so it should be okay. And we tried to carry this message to sexaholics and to practice these principles in all our affairs. Okay, and of those three components, it's the last part that I'm really rolling with. Um, now I'll comment on the other two because they're critical, but it's 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 practice these principles in all our affairs. That's that's paramount for me. Okay. Um, as I prepared for this panel, even though I made a big effort to confine my talk just to the twelfth step, and maybe to some of the other steps, uh, you know, I've spill. I'm going to spill into other parts of the program, the Serenity Prayer, the Promises, in particular. Um, you know, so bear with me if, as, I, as I try to talk about the 12th step, I get into other stuff. Because for me, they're all intertangled. I can't, you know, those other parts have made a, such a big part uh, of my life that, I, you know, I can't take them all and say, I only do 12-step work. It doesn't work that way. And I think that even though we're supposed to focus on 12 steps, in order for you to get the, eye, the, the tremendous impact of, of the program, what it's done for me, and where I'm at in 12 steps, I've got to tell you about a little about where I, where I was. Okay, um, you know, and it's—I used to think I had the only story like this in the world. <laughs> well, now I know I'm, thankfully, but sadly, among thousands, I guess. Um, I have a 
a tremendous attraction to children. They are very, very attractive to me um, for reasons that I don't, you know, I have no idea why. And with thousands of dollars of therapy and hours on the couch, I don't know any more now than I did before, except, you know, to this day, I find children very attractive, very appealing. And so, therefore, this curse, which is what it is, affected how I ran my life. And it didn't become apparent until probably later teens, because as a younger teen, I was about the same age as the people I was attracted to, so it was no big deal. But I never got past that. So when I'm 18 and 20 and 22 and 24, I'm still interested in 10, 11, 12-year-old kids. This is a problem. And I never understood that. I just stayed attracted. And so it dictated how I, how I led my life. Uh, I was in the Navy for a while and at sea, and so there's no kids at sea, so I probably was a half-decent Navy guy. You know, I did my job and was okay. But back in civilian life, and, and, and you know, I felt somewhat religious, as I understood religious things. I went to church, but churches were a toxic area for me. They're full of families. Families have kids. Big problem. So forth and so on. Um, and, 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 so, and, so, and so in the 12th step, it says, carry these principles in all our affairs. Well, if you think about it, as, as strong SA people as we are, you know, we have other lives. We sleep, okay? We gotta go to jobs, uh, you know, we, we might work out somewhere, you know, we, in other words, there's a whole lot of our life that's not in SA and not in 12 steps. In fact, the majority of it. And the majority of it is, is this other part in all our other affairs. You go into the bank to cash a check, that's some other part of your life, okay? Well, I would live all that part of life dictating how I was doing with respect to other people, if 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 they couldn't, if, there, if I didn't see a way that those other people I was dealing with, the clerk at the counter, for example, uh, helped me carry out my sex addiction, then I would make that part of the relationship succinct. The clerk either gave me what I wanted or left. I never cared about. I saw right through the clerk. The clerk was just something, you know. The banker didn't make any difference in business relations. But if the business person that I was dealing with or the clerk had a picture of her daughter on the counter, oh, I would talk to the clerk and tell her what a wonderful store she had and all, you know, all this crazy stuff. And I did it for decades. I did it for decades. So there were periods in time when when, when the, the circumstances of my addiction were distant for mechanical reasons, and I probably performed as an adult reasonably well. You know, a job would be stable, a little bit of money, whatever. But in those other areas where, where, where my addiction was working on me, I would screw up my, my adult relationships, this other part of my life, so badly that eventually I had to move on. And, and my wife married me very young, and she thought I was a great guy, and I thought she was a great gal, but soon the addiction began to screw up the relationship between us. I, you know, she couldn't understand why this didn't work this way and that didn't work this way, and I never knew either. I never knew either. I just knew I was, a, you know, caught up in, in my lust, and it, and it ran my life. Okay, so much for that. Finally, I got arrested. <laughs> what happens? Fantasy, at some point, if you do it 20, 30 years, the bell will ring. And it's right out of that book, which is not an essay book, but it's still one heck of a book, Out of the Shadows. The sheriff drove up, <laughs> two sheriffs, you know, 8 o'clock in the morning or whatever. They're very polite. They don't come at 4 o'clock in the morning anymore or whatever. They wait till sunset. I'd already gone to work. My wife's about to go to work and my little kid and a neighbor girl across the street, and there's the sheriff looking for me. Classic story. And, of course, my life just went, just like that. I won't dwell on that aspect of it. It's, it's a terrible experience. I'm still working with um, the shattered pieces of that. Uh, my marriage has stayed together, but it's not the same marriage. In many ways, it's a better marriage because the baloney's gone. The double life is gone. 
I lived a double life. And I was good at it. I was good at it, except it was, it was killing me. It was killing me. Well, it all ended anyway. It ended a little over five years ago. September 29, 1988. I'll never forget it. What an experience. You've never gone through it. Don't rush. <laughs> um, well, anyway, the attorney recommended me to go to a psychiatrist. The psychiatrist recommended me to go to a psychologist. And the psychologist said, for you, I have this program. And he was right. He was right. Okay? So I probably went to my first newcomers meeting mid-November of 1988. Went to a couple of uh, SA meetings. I remember driving to one in a blinding rainstorm. And I saying to myself, am I out of my mind? And I, and I was out of my mind. And finally, about mid-December, I found a group not too far from where I lived that they laughed. You know, they walked in and said, you think you're crazy? Sit down. We're all crazy. And they were, you know, and um, it's true. And, and, and there's one of them right here at the conference today, Gary W., terrific person, you know. It's been, it started, those, those initial days started my life. That really started my life. Everything I lived before was just some kind of a, I don't know what you call it. It wasn't a life, not as we understand lives. My life started, probably started really rolling about December of 1988. Okay, a little bit about the transition period. First couple of years, I was in a fog. I went to the meetings faithfully and, and did the tradition service and so forth, but, you know, I, I was really lost. I think I had to be about 51 or something at that time, and, and uh, you know, you look back at 51 and the wreckage of the past was floating up. And when you have a lot of past, you have a lot of wreckage. And so, you know, the court process worked its way through. No jail time, thank God. Okay, It was a, it was a major event. The, the molestation was really very serious. Anyway, um, no jail time. Five years probation, which I'm still on. Uh, 600 hours of community service, which... 600 hours of community service. The, 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 the jail time, the lack of jail time, now has come to me to be a great blessing. At that time, I perceived that as my, you know, my attorney did a good thing with the judge and the prosecuting attorney, and so, you know, I, I didn't perceive that that was a gift from God too. Now I know that it's a gift to God. I've had some mileage under me, and I understand that it was a gift to God. But I didn't really perceive that as a gift to God at the time. But the community service I began to realize was a gift to God because typically when you out there in California. The first thing to do with, with my kind of problem is they stick you on a road gang for 600 hours out in Caltrans, California Department of Transportation, cleaning up shrubs and stuff like that, and it's hard, miserable work. And, you know, I'm no spring chicken anymore, and I see me out there in the freeways for 600 hours. I, I had no idea with that. I was glad to do that instead of jail, but I was a little – never happened that way. I walked into the organization that you're supposed to sign up with and get assigned to your problem, and they discovered I had some ability with – computers and some ability with numbers, and they said, we need you here. I did all my community service right there, and to this day, still help that volunteering kind of an organization, which works with the courts, on handling all the court referrals, the accounting system, and I'm the outside guru, I get a little cup that says volunteers are number one, you know, they think I'm a great guy, here I am a terrible registered sex offender in California, so, you know, higher power said, okay, you screw things up, now I need you. That's how I see it. I need you, so buddy, <laughs> get over there and start doing it. And that was and that was the beginning. 
of, the, of, a, of a fabulous, it's been a fabulous experience for me. And that's why I say you have to grab me in 15 minutes because I keep talking. I, I, one more, get back to the conclusion one more time. There's no way. You know, I say, well, you're sober now and your marriage is at least stable and your kids have kind of gotten, you know, they're, they're never going to get over it, but they're working their way past it and your job is doing okay. So, you know, man, you can kick back. No way. No way. It's like drinking a, a drink of water that gives your life back. Would you want to put the glass down? No. This is a fabulous program. You know, those 12 steps are the keys to how I can live my life. You know, I, I now have, you know, God's given me a little, a little book that says, if you just do these things, you're going to have a wonderful life. And by do I do these things, then I get a wonderful life. Okay, so let me go on a little bit. As I slowly got through the first couple of years and into the counseling, it became apparent to me that I didn't know who I was. I knew all the bad things. I knew what I did, the garbage and so forth, but I really didn't know much about me. In a kind of a way, what I did was a whole person four-step inventory. Now, the four-step inventory, is, as I understand it, concentrates on your defects. I have plenty of those, okay? So much so that I was, you know, you talk about lack of self-esteem. I never knew boundaries. I didn't know anybody else's boundaries, and I didn't know my boundaries. And, you know, and I mean boundaries in the sense of defining who I was. So I went through probably a period of a year or a year and a half trying to say, well, you know, is there any worth in me? Scum of the earth sex offender, okay, child molester. Is there any good in me at all? Okay, well, of course there is. God has given me some good. And so I work with that and work with that. You know, I used people would be assertive with me and I'd, okay, it's okay with me, whatever you say, you know. And I, I learned that that's not good. You know, it's part of, part of the disease, part of the problem. You've got to stop and say, wait a minute. I, you know, that's not right. And I can do it now because I don't care if they have any children. <laughs> I don't have to play the sex game anymore. I can deal with a person just as they are. If they're a crumb bum, I, I don't treat them as a crumb bum. I don't treat them as a crumb bum. I recognize them as a crumb bum, but I treat them with 12 steps. I learned that that's very important because I don't want to be treated as I always felt I was treated as a crumb bum. I want to be treated considerately, and I want to treat even crumb bums deserve to be treated. There's somewhere there's probably got to be crumb bum anonymous, and they'll find it someday, but I don't want to make their life any, any worse. So I treat even the jerks with the dignity that I would like to be treated. You know, and it took me probably two to three years to realize that that's part of 12 steps too. The jerks out there, which I always thought they were, I was the only one that wasn't a jerk and I didn't know who I was. Turns out there's millions of good people, billions of good people. There might be only a few jerks, but you do run across them. It makes no difference. You treat them all with, with God-like, you know, like you would, like you'd like to be treated. It took me a couple years to slowly get to that, to that idea of how to treat people super duper, okay? I was coming out of a fog. I was beginning to understand the concepts of the 12 steps. You know, I've been in out of church all my life, and I never understood. You know, I talk. the golden rule was always up here, treat people like you'd like to be treated. And as soon as I walked out of that church, sometimes even when I was in the church, okay, I sold it away, and then I went right back into my disease. Crazy. So um, toward the end, of understanding about the boundaries, the significance of the higher power concept really began to become, and I began to look back over what was now two or three years and began to realize, you know, that, that not going to jail was in fact a gift from God and that the experience with the 600 hours 
was in fact a gift from God. And a horrible job experience that I'd poured my best efforts into was taken away through circumstances outside my control. And within just a few weeks, I was given another fabulous job that I had no control over been given, uh, which I'm still with today and on a great roll with it. I feel like I'm, I'm doing a great job and I do it by treating everybody that walks into my office with dignity. And so, so real, real briefly, real briefly. Okay, let me, let me get to kind of the bottom line. This is number seven out of about nine, so we're getting there. <laughs> Problems do seem to be getting handled intuitively. People come in, I mean, this is how God and the 12 steps, higher power, all comes together with me. You know, I'm, I'm the controller of my company. It's not a very big company, but I'm a controller. I stop and say to myself, where did that answer come from? Where did that answer come from? I didn't know that guy was going to come in. I didn't rehearse his problem. That answer just came out. You think, well, he's just making that up. No. No. I honest to God think God comes down and says, <laughs> believe me. I mean, if you had some kind of machine that could record my office and see what happens over a period of weeks, you would say, how is he able to say that? And I don't know how. It has to be higher power. Working with people in all my affairs, 12-step, fabulous. Fabulous experience. And if you're not doing that, Get into it, because it's just so innervating and so wonderful. Okay. Fear of economic insecurity does seem to have receded. I'm buried in debt. There was a lot of bad decisions I made in the past. I probably have a quarter million dollars worth of debts, and I think my house is probably worth $240,000. I got negative. But it doesn't seem to matter anymore. Maybe, you know, but we're going to say, well, you know, you always went to jail and all this kind of stuff, so what's a few bucks, you know? I mean, you have this relative. It doesn't make any difference. It just somehow... I, I just don't seem to have an economic security problem anymore. And, I, and if you say, well, you know, aren't you worried? You know, you got credit card bills. How are you going to pay for this and that? And, and Betsy knows, you know, sweated out coming here. It was, and she was absolutely right. She says, Jim, it'll all work out. Okay? And it all worked out more than I, I got to return a little bit. I mean, you, people tell me that God doesn't work at, huh? <laughs> I mean, yeah. Well, maybe, hey, maybe let's talk. Maybe that's, you know. <laughs> Um, tad, tad bit on the middle part of the 12th tradition, work with other sexaholics, okay? You know, I have to do that kind of effort as best I can. So, as best I can, here's where I've been. Very much involved in SA activities. At the group level initially, then in my inner group, and now, new adventure for me at the national level. This is my first international conference through the service on the Central Office Oversight Committee. Great experience. Oh, oh can't believe it. Uh, um, and so, in summary, these have turned out to be great experiences for me, tremendously rewarding and tremendously renewing. I'm a re- my business is a recycling company. We recycle, and I say I'm, I'm constantly being recycled. It's wonderful, okay? It has a great amount of carryover into the workplace. Uh, with all the little minor action, interactions with people that I deal with, that, that, who I don't really owe anything to, I'll never see him again, the clerk at the store, whatever, you know, but it's okay to treat the clerk of the store like he's your best friend or she's your best friend. It's okay to do that. And the dividends are fabulous. I, you know, it's just, go on. I frequently work back into other parts of, of the 12 steps. I never forget step one. I never forget step one. I can't ever forget step one. I am totally powerless. Not only over my sex addiction, but it turns out in the big picture, I'm powerless over a lot of things. Most I'm a powerless over everything. And God is the one who can do it. Fills right into step two and three. I keep those three right there every day. 
I talk to my higher part every day. Mornings are my best time. I drive the freeway, as you know, in freeway time in California. We mostly stop on the freeway. That's when I talk to my higher power, and he listens. I believe he listens to me, okay? I do a daily step 10 at the start of each day, reviewing in my mind with my higher power how I'm doing. How are you doing? You know, you're going to screw something else up today, or are you going to be okay? Okay, higher power got this problem. Can you help me? Let's work on this. I talk to him. People on the freeway probably think I'm sort of starting to lose it, no doubt, but I don't drool or anything. Okay. <laughs> Who do I need to spend more time with, to talk to, to make amends to? I do that every day. I consciously do it every day. I try to review exactly what, what was going on in my, in my life, what meeting I attended, or what business thing, or who I talked to. How did I treat them? I think dealing with people is the essence of life. Um, am I, and am I fulfilling step 11? What does he want, to, want me to do with my life, and am I doing it better? And so now here's the end. It's been a fabulous, fabulous experience. It really has. And, and you should all rush out and do it because it is the way, the light, the truth. So thank you very much. I would like to thank you for listening to this episode of The Daily Reprieve, the best source for experience, strength, and hope for SA members. Please subscribe to this podcast to be alerted of new episodes. Please show your support by donating to The Daily Reprieve by going to donate.thedailyreprieve.com and choosing either monthly donations or a one-time donation by clicking Donate Now. Thank you for listening and stay tuned for the next episode of The Daily Reprieve.